But I'm ready to dive into our series, This Is Us. This series, we are looking at what are the cultural distinctives of what it means to be the church or a follower of Christ. And how does that differ from just anyone? And, and in this series, we'll also unpack as well, um, really looking at kind of our own cultural distinctives as a church. Because every church has their own unique culture. So if you're newer to the church, maybe this year... You're going to learn a little bit about who we are as a church, as Catalyst Church. And uh, before we dive in, I I want to share with you kind of a firm conviction I have, which really helps ground this series. And here's what I believe, that I truly believe that following Jesus, following his ways, living according to his word is the very best that we can experience in life. If you believe it, can you say amen? Amen. That I believe God's words are a blessing to us, not a burden on us. In fact, Psalm 34, I love what the psalmist writes. He says, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Jesus in the New Testament said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the other things will be added unto you. And I've, I've entitled today, my first kind of a first message in this series, it'll be five weeks, is, is passionately pursue God because we as followers of Christ passionately pursue God. I'm going to unpack a little bit what that word passion means because there's several definitions of that word and I'm going to give you what I'm thinking when I say that word. But let me also say this off the forefront that the the Christian life, the gospel, our faith, that, that we're not the first one to pursue That God actually pursued us when he sent his son Jesus Christ to earth to live a sinless life and die a death so we could have eternal life and a fresh start in relationship with him. If you're grateful for Jesus, can you say amen? amen? But in response to that, we pursue God and we pursue him with passion. Let me give you some scripture. Psalm 69.9, David wrote this, passion for your house has consumed me. In fact, the disciples quoted this when they were looking at Jesus and Jesus' passion for prayer. And they, they recited David's psalm saying it's passion for the house that consumes him. Now, it's not passion for a physical building. It's passion for the presence of God. And if you read the Bible, it's full of passionate people. David In the Bible, he danced so hard before the Lord, his clothes fell off and he found himself naked. Come on, somebody. Don't dance that hard here, Catalyst, okay? You can dance. Just keep your clothes on, okay? Uh, Daniel, he prayed to God even when his life was at risk for it. That's passion. Elijah confronted false prophets, putting his life at risk. Passion. Paul said to live as Christ and to die as gain. That's passion. Jesus hung on a cross for you and me. That's passion. We we, we have a lineage of passion in our faith. Let me give you a definition of passion. That passion is defined as an intense conviction, which we have of our faith, an ardent affection, which we have towards God, and a strong devotion, which we're called to have as followers of Christ. Let me share with you three ways we, we passionately pursue God. And I believe this is all in the scriptures. I want to challenge us as we, as we sort of coming into entering this fall time of year to renew our passionate pursuit of God. Here's the first point if you're taking notes. Is that we passionately pursue God in prayer. 
very fitting that we're in 21 days of prayer. I love what Oswald Chambers says. He says, prayer does not prepare us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Uh, there's three, there's more than three, but there's three benefits we see clearly of prayer in Scripture. And then I'm going to talk about how to pray. Uh, number one is that prayer invites us into the presence of God. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is close to all who call to him, who call on him. James in the New Testament said this, when you draw near to God, God draws near to you. My, uh, my dog Toby, he loves to go on walks. And we go on walks often. He has lots of energy, being a 10-month-old puppy. And when we go on walks, I believe, from my, my observation, one of the reasons he loves to go on walks is because he loves to meet people. So even this morning, I walked him before church. So I'm walking him, and, and, he, and when he sees someone like 300 yards away, like your boy lays on the ground full on, like no budging, and he watches you. Like waiting. And the moment, the moment the person sees them and they see his little adorable face and they walk towards him, he gets up and he comes towards you. And then he says, rub my belly. Come on. But listen, the moment you go towards Toby, he comes to you. If you've wondered, Pastor, how do I draw closer to God? How do I draw closer to God? Draw closer to him. And say, God, I want to I spend time with you. What you're doing today, you're, you're in church, you're, you're worshiping. And listen, let me demystify prayer. Growing up, I used to think, you know, prayer was like when you kneel by the bed. Come on, somebody. Uh, or, or prayer, I used to think, man, when I prayed, I had to like sit down and be quiet. And um, I remember when I first kind of was, was, was growing in my prayer life. Before work, I would get up at 5 a.m. and I would sit at my, my kitchen table. And I would fall asleep while praying. Come on, you know, like if you go on a date with somebody, come on, singles, take note of this. If you go on a date with somebody and they fall asleep during the date, it's over, right? <laughs> there ain't no recovering, right? Like if your boy's napping, you're like, all right, you got the bill, I'm out of here, okay? Box up my dinner to go. <laughs> He's paying. I thought to myself, I am the worst Christian like, I'm falling asleep on God. But it wasn't until I began to learn some ways to pray, which I'm going to teach you a, a structure to your prayer life, to give you sort of a structure so maybe that was you that fell asleep. But, but God, listen, when we, when we spend time in prayer, and prayer is simply conversation with God. You talk to a friend, you can talk to God. We don't, we don't have to demystify it. It's not a religious practice. It's a relationship. Here's a second benefit of prayer is provision. Matthew 7, 11, Jesus said, so if you sinful people, imperfect people, that's you, that's me, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? When I was a kid, a young child, there was a show I liked on TV. It was called My Pet Monster. And it was this show of this little boy named Max. And Max had this, this little monster doll. And the monster doll had these, like, handcuffs on. And when he unlocked the handcuffs, the monster came alive. And so then he, then when, when he didn't want anybody else to know, so he would put the handcuffs back on so, like, his parents never found out. Come on, it's like every little boy's dream to have a pet monster. How cool is that? So I, I, I told my parents, come on, remember back in the day, did you all make Christmas wish lists? Come on, somebody. I used to, like, write wish lists. 
And I wrote on top of my wish list, I want a My Pet Monster doll. Come on. Believing it will come alive in Jesus' name. Come on. And I'll never forget that Christmas morning. I walked downstairs in our basement, and there was a My Pet Monster doll sitting right next to the Christmas tree. My parents knew how to give good gifts. Mom, if you're watching, thank you. Hey, listen, here's what, here's what Jesus says. Even if you, had, if you had great earthly parents and they gave you great gifts, how much more your heavenly Father loves to give good gifts? Hey, can I help give you an accurate perspective of God? Maybe some of you, you grew up in an environment or your perspective of God, he was somehow a harsh father. Maybe he was a dictator. Maybe he was like a driving master. Your God is a loving father who loves to give good gifts. He loves to give you good gifts. He loves to bless you. Let me speak to one more group. Those of you who've been disappointed in life. You know, I was having a conversation yesterday with somebody about this. Have you realized this? Disappointments are just a part of life. You just get disappointed. Like life is full of disappointments. And let me just speak to you because sometimes when we face disappointments, we stop asking God for good gifts. Because we just think, oh, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to, that, that, that business won't take off. Or this thing won't happen. And then we settle into our disappointment. And we have more faith in our disappointment than we do in God. Hey, can I challenge you? Can I, can I, can I stir your faith? Believe again. We have a gift-giving God who gives good things. Let me give you one more benefit of prayer. This is my favorite one. It's power. The power of God. James 5.16. James, the brother of Jesus. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Your prayers have power. One of the few instances that we, we allow our kids to use an iPad in a Burroughs household, it's not often for us, is on long car rides. And the reason is because when we are traveling more than three hours, Christina and I value silence. Any other parents? Come on, somebody. And we want, to, we want to have a functional conversation as adults and not be interrupted every three minutes. Mom, 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 never dad, mom. So we give them iPads. We preload movies. So it's a process in the bro's household. There are three kids. Dad is the owner. I go to each of the kids. What movies would you like? Dad has to pre-approve. I download them on their iPads. They get excited. They get their iPads. So several years ago, we were on a, we were on a long trip. All of a sudden, the back seat. I hear this like shriek. I thought one of my children hit another child, which is not, untoo, not, not, too, not, not too uncommon in our household, unfortunately. So I thought they like, they're hitting each other. I see one child kind of flailing in the back seat. So I thought I had to go into daddy discipline mode. We turn around, and what happened is their iPad, you know that notification that says low power? That's what it was. Tough life they lived. Tough life. Tough life. <laughs> and they thought, my iPad is about to die, and I will not be able to finish Bluey. <laughs> so then Christina turns around and says, no, we have a car charger. We'll plug it in, so you're going to be fine. Hey, listen. In the same way, my 
kid was frustrated. My child was frustrated, overwhelmed, because they thought their iPad was losing power. Listen, you will find yourself frustrated in life if you try to live without the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, that coworker at work who annoys you, you know who I'm talking about. If they go to this church, don't look at them right now, okay? Hey, they will frustrate you and get under your skin. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to still be a faithful Christian. Come on, somebody. Say, Holy Spirit, help me as I go into this meeting, Lord. And God, if you, if you just so will it, please change them. Come on, you know. I'll throw it in there. You need the power of God to parent your kids. Holy Spirit, give me strength. You know, Paul said this. It's in our weakness. His power is perfected. And listen, I know you're capable. I know you're brilliant. And you're talented. You are. I believe it. But you're not that good. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you. Don't try to go through life without it. And it can be simple as before you go into that meeting, Holy Spirit, help me. Give me wisdom as I go into that meeting. Give me peace. Give me peace as I parent my child in this situation. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. Holy Spirit, give me strength. Holy Spirit, help me. Doesn't it be in a long prayer? In fact, do you know that? Do you know that you don't have to pray long prayers for God to respond? <laughs> Just ask God, can you help me in this meeting? Help me in this situation. God, I need your power. I heard it said once this way, that a prayerless life is a powerless life. But a prayerful life is a powerful life. Can I tell you, if you ever wonder why some people, you see them maybe walking through hard things. I, I've seen this. I know some people in this church that are walking through some really hard seasons. But can I tell you, they're at peace. And can I tell you what their secret is? Prayer. Because in those moments, when we call upon God, he is faithful. He responds to our requests. So maybe you're thinking to yourself, okay, pastor, I'm sufficiently inspired. <laughs> but if you're like me, when I first started praying, I didn't really know how to pray. I would hear stories of people who prayed an hour, and I'm like, what do they do for an hour? I was like two-minute Tim. I was like, okay, God, I think, I, think, I think it's over. Is we good? Okay, I'll see you tomorrow, right? And listen, if that's you, there's no condemnation. I was there for a while. I'm like, okay. I think that's all I got, all right? And, and listen, it's not about praying long. Here's my heart for you as your pastor. I want you to hear this. My heart for you is to get a vision for prayer to where you don't want to stop praying. To where when you have to get up and actually like, and now listen, prayer is a co continual conversation. It's not just a moment, but, but I do believe in having a concentrated moment. In the same way you should date your spouse, you should have a daily moment with God. Where you, you're just focused on him. You're not driving, you're not working, you're not doing dishes, you're not, you're not taking care of you. You're focused on him. But I want to give you a model, a structure to your prayer life if you don't have one. Now, the Pray First guides, if you didn't get one last week, we had them in the lobby at the guest services table. You can grab them. Uh, they're for yours to grab. So you, if you want to grab one for some friends of yours, grab them. They have some structures in here that I use in my own prayer life. It's just structures. There's, there's, you can use whatever structure you like. They're just some structures to help you in your prayer life. But I want, to, I want to give you a simple one. It's just three simple steps. Here's the first step. Start your prayer time by thanking God first for what he's done. Paul said, and give thanks 
for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Old Testament priests, when they go into the tabernacle, before they actually entered in and made petitions on behalf of God's people, they thanked God first. So the Bible says they entered his courts with thanksgiving. That before they asked God to do anything, they thanked him for what he already did. Can I tell you what will help you in your heart? is to thank God for what he's done before you ask him to do anything. You know what I find in my life? When I find myself overly critical, it's usually because I'm lacking gratitude. Because oftentimes we're overly critical and we're disappointed. Because there's something happens in your life when you begin to thank God for what you have. Listen, I know, listen, I know I want a newer car, but God, thank you for the car that I have. Listen, I, I know there are some things about my job I wish were better, but I thank you that I have a job to go to. God, I, I know sometimes my family drives me crazy. Come on, somebody. But God, I thank you I have a family who loves me. God, I thank you. This isn't my dream home or my dream apartment, but I thank you for it. Listen, this week, start your prayer by thanking God and watch what it does to your heart. You'll become a less critical person. You'll become a less disappointed person. You, you, you'll become, come on, you'll turn yourself from Eeyore into Tigger. Come on, somebody. <laughs> come on. Eeyore's like, oh, it's, it's lifetime. What's Tigger? Tigger, man, Tigger never had a bad day in his life. He's like, Tigger, you want to go ice skating? Well, yeah, that's what Tigger does best. Tigger, you want to go pick apples? Yes, that's what Tigger does best. Come on, be a Tigger. And I'm not saying manufactured. I'm saying be real about it. And can I tell you, if you have breath in your lungs, you have something to be grateful for. If you have a house to go back to today, you have something to be grateful for. If you have a family that loves you, you have something to be grateful for. If you have somebody who checks in on you, you have something to be grateful for. If you have a job to go to, you have something to be grateful for, church. And it will change your heart. It will turn your frown upside down. You can remind your face that right now. Come on, somebody. I love you. But thank God. Thank God. Number two, then pray for others. First Timothy 2, I urge you first of all to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. I want to encourage you to pray for other people before you pray for yourself. Because it will also help your heart. It will also help to cultivate a humility on the inside of you. When you pray for what other people need before you pray for what you want or what you need. I'm going to give you five groups that I pray for. Um, sorry, six groups. Oh, I said five earlier. Six groups I pray for. I'm going to give them to you real quick. Number one is I first pray for people who are far from God in my life. Here's why. Because I pray for what's on God's heart before I pray for what's on my heart. You want to know what's on his heart? People who are far from him. Hey, life is hard when you follow Jesus. Life is really hard when you don't have the hope of Jesus Christ. So I pray for those people first. Because that's, what God, that's on God's heart. If you want to know what's on the heart of God first, that's it right there. That's it. He loves us. But he's really concerned about those who don't have that hope yet. Secondly, as I pray for my family. I'm going to get real practical. This is, how, this is how I pray. I pray for my wife, Christina, first. I go through, I pray for her needs and what, what I know she's believing for. I pray for my kids by name specifically. I pray for our parents. 
Um, come on, this is going to help your marriage out. Pray for your in-laws. Come on, somebody. <laughs> trying to help you. God, change them. No, just kidding. <laughs> My mother-in-law's in town right now, but she's in first service. She's in this service. So I'm just She's actually amazing. Um, pray for your siblings. I pray for my siblings. I pray for my nieces and nephews. I pray for my family. I then pray for leadership in my life. So I pray for our overseers. Like specifically, I pray for them, their health, their work, their finances, their family. I pray, speci- I, I, I spend some time with, on them, each one of them. I pray for the leadership in our church, our board of trustees. I pray for each of them. I pray for their families. I pray for our director leadership team here. Um, Pray for, I pray for, for pastors who pastor me because um, I, I, it's, it's, it's important. I pray for you, the church. I pray for our group leaders, our team leaders. I pray for you. I pray for our church. I then pray for my friends, my best friends. I have several best friends in my life. I love them dearly, like brothers. I pray for their needs. I pray for their, their marriages. I pray for them personally. I then lastly pray for governmental authority. Because the Bible says to pray for those in authority. I pray for President Biden, Vice President Harris, Governor Westmore, County Executive Mark Elric. Pray for him. I pray for all those individuals. I'm telling you, if you do that, you'll find yourself spending more than two minutes in prayer. If you pray for those people in your life. At the very end, I pray for myself. I pray for my needs and my desires. I'd encourage you to follow this. It will help you. Try this week. If you don't have a structure, it's a great one. It's, It's helped me. Jesus said you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you'll receive it. I want to encourage you. Um, there, when, you when you came in on your seat, there was two cards. There was a uh, prayer list card. Um, I have five of these in my journal. I'm believing for some things. Uh, I'd encourage you to write down what you're believing for. You have task lists at work. You should have a prayer list of things you're believing God for. And then there's a prayer request card as well. If we can pray for you anyway, we'd love to. Many of you filled this out last week. You can drop in the drop boxes. Our, our prayer team will lift you up in prayer and we'll be believing to see miracles in the 21 days of prayer. Sound good? Passionately pursue God in prayer. Here's second. Passionately pursue God in praise and worship. Passionately pursue God in praise and worship. Psalm 156 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's you, that's me. You know that word praise right there? That is the word um, uh, in the Hebrew, the word tehillah. Sounds like tequila. Come on, somebody. And it actually means you are to respond as if you had too much tequila. It actually means to be a little bit exuberant, a little bit loud when you praise God. Here's how much God cares about praise. I want you to lean on this. There's an entire book of the Bible about it, the book of Psalms. It is a book of 150 songs. It's all about praise. There are seven Hebrew words for praise in the book of Psalms. I'm going to give you three of them to give you an understanding of biblical praise, and then we're going to dive into our next point. Psalms 135.3 says this, Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Celebrate his lovely name with music. That's the word zamar. That means to praise God with the plucking of the string. Come on. Where's my electric guitar players? Come on. That's that's your scripture right there. You ever wonder why we have music? Like, why does this church have a full band? Because it's biblical. 
the early church in Rome, if you studied it, music was a central point. They were rocking out to Jesus. God loves it when we make music unto him. And all the musicians said, amen. Psalms 145.4 says, one generation shall praise your works to another, shall declare your mighty acts. You know what that word is in the Hebrew? Shabak. You know what Shabak means? To shout loudly. Why is this church so loud, pastor? Because God told me to be loud. To shout unto God with the voice of triumph. I don't know about you, but God's changed my life. And when somebody's changed your life, it's hard to be quiet about it. All right. Y'all ain't following me. I'll move on. Psalm 50, 23, whoever offers praise glorifies me. That word is the word todah. Todah means to lift your hands in adoration. You thought we lifted our hands because we're a charismatic church. No, we lift our hands because we're a biblical church. Well, pastor, I don't like to lift my hands. That's okay. But I didn't ask for what you want to do. I'm telling you what God likes. God likes music. He likes shouting. He likes hands lifted. Because this, this is a posture of surrender. Saying, God, I surrender my life to you. Fresh and anew. Now, this kind of praise, we don't only see it in church, do we? I'm going to tell you this. I thank God that this week was the first week of preseason football. Anybody else? Come on. Thank you, God. We no longer have to watch baseball. Lord, thank you, Jesus. That, that sport's so boring, God. Thank you, football's back. Come on, you know you love football when you watch preseason. Because you're like, I don't even know who that is. But it's football. I'll watch it. It's good. It's good. Uh, I'm a fan of God's favorite team, the Baltimore Ravens. Come on. Purple, royalty, King Jesus, okay? If you need any further theological foundation on that, just kidding. <laughs> Thank you, God. Lamar Jackson signed back with us. Um, and uh, I remember some years ago, my, my oldest daughter, Hannah, was two years old. And I was watching a, a game after church. And uh, I had her dress up in a Ravens outfit because you train up a child in the way they should go. <laughs> so when they're old, they will not become a Steeler fan. And make bad decisions. Come on, somebody. You got to protect your children from becoming a Steelers fan, okay? And uh, I sent some Steelers fans in the room. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. It's okay. I love you. Um, anyways, so I was, I was watching the game. Anybody else, when you watch your favorite team, you shout at the television as if they can hear you, right? It's like third down for the opposing team. And I'm acting as if I'm in the stadium. I'm like, oh! You know, like, it's field goal, and I'm, like, waving my hands if I'm there, you know. I'm, like, I'm rebuking the ref as if he can hear me. It's like, you're trash. It's a bad call. Um, pray for your pastor when I watch games. I need the help of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Help me to be a man of peace when I watch football. One afternoon, I still remember like it was yesterday, I was watching a game. I think Christina was in the kitchen or she was in a different room. And Hannah was right there. She was playing next to me. Um... And uh, I was cheering. And especially back then, I would almost, like, I would frequently lose my voice watching football. I love football. 
And in that moment, I was cheering. I was screaming. I felt the Holy Spirit, just a strong impression in my heart. And it was this, Jeremy, does Hannah see you cheer this way for me like you do the Ravens? The answer at that point in my life was no. She saw her dad lose her mind over 52 men in tights. That's what football is, just so you know. Just grown men in tights. But she didn't see me lose my mind over a God who saved me. And sometimes I talk to some guys, I'm like, well, pastor, I'm just not a passionate person. But yet you'll be passionate rooting for your favorite team. I'm just, not a, I'm, I'm just, you know, you come to church and you just kind of sit there and well, you're just not that passionate old person. But yet you dress up in sequins and you go to that Taylor Swift concert <laughs> and you sing your heart out. Me, it's me, I'm the problem, it's me. <laughs> I know if that's the right lyrics, I don't listen to, I'm a man of God, I don't listen to Taylor. Just kidding. <sighs> hey. I'm going to say this in love. But sometimes we will, we will lose our voice. We will lift our hands. We will, we will zamar. We will, we, will, we will listen to music. We lift our hands. We'll shout our voice for an artist who does not know you. But they like your money. For an athlete who does not care about you. But will come in church. And we won't even lift our hands. To a God who saved me. Lift my voice to a God who's put breath in my lungs. Listen, I'm not saying this to make you feel condemned. This is not religious. I'm just trying to get you to capture a vision of the power of praise. God is worthy of our praise. If you have breath in your lungs, praise the Lord. So I can't help but to be loud. I can't help but to dance on the front row. I can't help but to raise my hands. And I will not live a life where I will for a good shot, but I won't do so for the God who saved my life. He is worthy of my praise, my honor. Hey, parents, I say this as somebody who's got it wrong. Don't allow your kids to see you to do that for a team or an artist, but they don't see dad, praise God. They don't see mom, praise God. They are watching us. They are learning from us. They are listening from us. Here's the power of praise. Isaiah 61.3 says to all who mourn in Israel. He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. Israel was mourning because they had been defeated. They were discouraged. And this scripture simply means this, that God is speaking to Israel through the pen of Isaiah. He says, I will wipe off the ashes of mourning. And one translation actually says, and he will give you the oil of joy. What that meant was they would, they would cover their face in oil so their oil would glow, would like, or their face would glow. It would be bright. 
and it would be a, a, a representation of the joy in their heart given from God. He says, I, he says, put on a garment of praise, and it will lift you out of despair. Here's that means. Listen, write this down. We don't wait until we're out of despair to praise God. We actually praise our way out of despair. Here's what praise does. Praise lifts up your head above the dark clouds of life. Praise may not change your situation, but it will change your soul. That's what he says. That's the power of praise. Think about the song we were singing on the first song. Hear the lyrics. Watch this. If you put this song, Anything is Possible is the name of the song. If you put this on repeat every day this week, watch what it will do to your spirit. Hear the lyrics. Show me one thing he can't do. Show me a mountain he can't move. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible. Show me one thing that's too hard. Show me waters he can't part. He's the God of the breakthrough and anything is possible. When you sing about a God who parts waters, it all of a sudden makes the anxiety you feel about the problem at work weaken its effect over your life. When you praise about a God who can raise the dead to life, it makes the problems your child is having weaken its effect over your soul. Put on a garment of praise and be lifted out of despair. He will exchange your mourning for dancing. Praise. Don't get it twisted. Sometimes the people who praise the hardest are walking through the hardest seasons of life. But they got a vision. I don't wait to praise when I feel like it. I praise myself out of the pit. I praise myself out of darkness. I lift up my head to the heavens. And where does my help come from? It comes from God. So as long as I have breath in my lungs, I will praise the Lord. And it will heal your soul. I've experienced this. It will heal your soul if you get a vision for the power of praise. And don't just leave it here on Sunday. Pull it into your Monday. Praise God. Begin your day. Hey, I want to help your mental health. I have a passion for mental health. Many of you know this. I used to work as a psychologist. I'm actively in counseling. I believe in it. I want to help your mental health. Here, here's how I'm going to help it. Ready? Before you scroll Instagram, praise God. Before you check your email, come on somebody, praise God. And before you scroll the news, please praise God. And watch, watch your spirit be lifted out of the pit of despair. Try him. Just try God. 30 days, praise him every day, first thing you do, and watch what it will do. You'll put on the garment of praise, and he'll wipe off the ashes of mourning, and he will give you the oil of joy. If you believe it, say amen. John 4.23, Jesus was having a conversation with a woman about worship. And she was talking about going to the temple to worship. And he responds to her this. He says, he says, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here right now. 
when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In fact, the Father's looking for those who will worship him in that way. Here's what Jesus says. Worship is not confined to a place. Worship is the posture of your heart. So you can worship God in church on Sunday, and you can worship God and work on Monday. That word for worship in the Greek is the word proskenal. It means to bow to a superior. If you study the early church text and the history, but oftentimes when they worship, they would worship like this. They would worship down on the ground, bow down, because physically they were posturing themselves how they were in their hearts. God, you are Lord. You are God. That's how they would worship him. They were proskenowing. They were bowing down. Here's what worship does. And worship is more than just singing a song. When we sing a song like, you reign above it all, we sing that. You reign above it all. We, we are putting our lips to words that reside in our heart. So we're just declaring what we believe. And the power of worship, watch this, worship will give you an accurate perspective of who God is and your problems. Worship reminds you that God is more powerful than cancer. That God is more powerful than your anxiety. That God is more powerful than your addiction. That God is more powerful than your depression. Do you believe it, church? That God is bigger than the problems your kids having at school. That God is bigger than your marital problems. That God is bigger than your financial issues. When you worship, you remind your spirit that my God reigns above it all. Above everything. Above death. Above sickness. Above disease. Above injustice. Above everything. He is God. I love what A.W. Tozer, theologian, said this. He says, as God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved at once. Power of worship, church. So we passionately pursue God in prayer. We passionately pursue God in praise and worship. Here's the last one. Write this down. So we passionately pursue God with the people of God. Matthew 4 Jesus calls his disciples to follow him. Here's what you'll see in the Gospels. When Jesus called his disciples to follow him, he called them to follow him with each other. You will not find a disciple following Jesus by themselves. He had 12. And he modeled what we see in the early church. The early church, when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, what did they do? They gathered in the upper room to pray. They were together. They were they knew the way Jesus modeled and instructed and the way the early church taught was that our faith is a communal faith. Uh, that, that Christianity is not a self-study, it's a group project. I remember back in my freshman year of college, I took, a, I took a biology class. And your boy was a social science major, i.e., I was not good at science. Where are my social science majors at? Come on, somebody. Let's go. Let's go. Social science all day, baby. Don't give me no chemistry, okay? I mean, I took biology. I was a C student on my best day. So I'll never forget, the last project of the semester was a group project. I was like, holla at your boy. I'm all about the group project in biology. Because more than likely, 
one of my classmates was smarter than me. And sure enough, she was. I remember her. I tell you what, the best grade I ever got in biology was that project. And it wasn't because of me, it was because of my classmate. She pulled me up. Hey, listen, our faith is, is a group project. I want you to follow me here. There will come moments where for you, you probably, maybe some of you had a, had a week this week. Have you ever had a day? Maybe, it was, maybe you got some bad news at work. Maybe you're dealing with a, with, a, with a health issue. Maybe you had a rough moment with a child. Maybe you're doubting your faith. There are come moments where you need somebody else to pick you up. Have you been there? And then there are moments where you need to pick somebody else up. Just like a group project. You need to encourage somebody else. You need to pray for somebody else. So if you come into like church, you, you, you come into your community group, you talk to a friend, if you're not in need of encouragement, then come to give encouragement. Come to say, how can I pray for you? Come speak life into them. Paul said it this way to the Thessalonian church. Encourage each other and build each other up. I myself am not a runner. Um, I only run if I'm being chased. And then I have bigger problems in my life if someone's chasing me. But uh, I just don't believe in running. Uh, <laughs> just don't. But many of you do. And I commend you. And uh, why run 26.2 miles when you can drive? God, you know, technology's progressed, you know. But from what I hear, those who run marathons and half marathons, you can have family and friends come support you. So, like, while you're on mile 21, which I presume probably by then you're, like, exhausted and out of energy, you can have your friend, Tim, come with his latte and donut, holding a sign saying, you got this. That's my flow right there. You got this. Go ahead. Keep going. And I, I presume having like a good friend or your spouse or family there, maybe your kids cheering you on like you got this, like that will give you like a boost of, of energy. Maybe some more adrenaline kicks in so you forget the pain you feel in your quads. And Paul equates the life of faith to a race several times. I'm sorry, running our race. There will come times. It can even happen week to week. You might have some weeks where you need somebody to be like, come on, you got this. I know this season's hard at work. I know it's been hard in your marriage, but you got this. I'm praying for you. you know, one of, my, one of my, my favorite things is I have some, some close friends of mine that are praying for me. I love it when one of one will, just, will text me in the morning, hey, I, I, I'm praying for you this morning. Oh, it just feels like a, like, a breath, like, a, like a wind behind my sails. Somebody needs somebody to say, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm here for you. And then sometimes you need to be that person. You need to be that person on the side of the, holding that sign up. Hey, you got this. Hey, I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm believing that God's going to do a miracle in that situation. I'm believing God's going to heal your marriage. I, I'm believing God's going to help you with that child. I'm believing God's going to help you this week with that situation at work trying to solve right now. I'm, I'm believing with you. And here's the power, and I close with this. The power when we come together 
It's the power of together. The early church modeled it. Jesus modeled it. Acts 4.31. I love the scripture. It says, after they prayed, not after he prayed or she prayed, they, the, the church, people, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. The Spirit of God filled them afresh and anew. The early church experienced the miracle power of God, the healing power of God. They saw cities completely flipped upside down for the glory of God. I am believing that here in Bethesda, in Montgomery County, in the D.C. area. If you believe it, can you say amen? You know, every, I said it earlier, but every, every, in recent history, the moves of God that we've seen in the world were precipitated by a church who was praying together. It's the power of a church coming together, worshiping together, praying together. And I'm not just believing for a move of God in our church gatherings on Sunday. I'm believing for a move of God in your life on Monday at work, in your marriage on Tuesday, in your kid's life on Wednesday, in your soul on Thursday, in your sick body on Friday. I am believing for a move of God, the miracle working, healing power of God. something powerful. When a church seeks God together, they see God move powerfully together. You believe it, church? Bow your heads with me.